With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Crispy's Sports Corner. I'm your host, Chris Platty. As always, this is a solo pod today as I am breaking down and giving you a preview on the NBA Finals, which starts tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. It is currently 7.30 p.m. as I am recording this podcast, and I will hope to have it up to you guys before the game. But we're going to talk about what's going to be different about this series because it is a finals rematch, the key questions, and ultimately, of course, predictions. So as I started off in preparing for the podcast, I wanted to talk about how this finals is going to be different because I do think it's going to be incredibly different. And it's not just for the basic reasons that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are healthy. It's the addition of Channing Frye. It's that the Golden State Warriors look different. All of these things are factors on why this series is totally different. Last year, Golden State won in six, but really, I mean, they kind of dominated those last few games, so it wasn't as competitive as it sounds on paper, and Cleveland was just completely broken down. Again, no Kyrie, no uh, Kevin Love, none of that, and uh, even some of their role players like E-Man was struggling with injuries, which he appears to be okay now, and that's important for the series. I'll get into that later on, but... The the Golden State Warriors are 73-9, and nine, so it's kind of crazy to believe that this series is actually going to be more competitive than last year's, but it really is because we've seen this a lot in the last round for those of you that watched the Western Conference Finals, that Bogut is very, uh, he's deteriorated very rapidly. He's always had injury problems and he's always uh, been that guy that's on the verge of just physically breaking down, but it was really bad in the Oklahoma City series. He didn't show up for about four of the four of the games in that series, and he's got to be important in this series. He's got to be a factor. Um, I'll get to that. I'll get to that later when it comes to game planning. But it's it's just a lot of small factors, and also the role players for the for the Warriors have struggled all season long. Um, not all season, all playoff long, long rather. But Cleveland is, again, looking healthier. Channing Fry has been an amazing addition. I mean, holy crap, the guy posted a PR of over 23, which for those of you that don't understand PR, uh, if if you average over 20, that's that's basically an all-star level caliber. So I know it's a small sample size because he didn't play too much. He was kind of just a role player. He didn't get consistent starter minutes. But if you're averaging a PR of 23 off the bench, that is just insane, and he is—he has been a huge addition for them. So I think there's a lot of things that go into this series, and there's a lot of reasons to believe that this is going to be a different outcome. That's why I think I don't—I would have a month ago I would have criticized anyone who thought that Cleveland was going to win the series, much less even uh, make it competitive. I really thought a month ago, coming into playoffs two months ago that the Golden State Warriors were going to breeze through the playoffs and Cleveland would get maybe a game out of them. Like, that's how high I was on the Golden State Warriors. But, obviously, we've seen a lot of things transpire. Uh, transpire. Oklahoma City took them to Game 7, which was in, in, an incredible Game 7. And 
Cleveland has looked dominant. They have flipped on the switch. They have found their groove. All those quote-unquote problems in the locker room, which I never bought to begin with, uh, seem to be dissipated or at least hidden very well at this point. And they are shooting the three-ball lights out at an historic rate, and uh, not only in terms of accuracy, but in terms of volume too. So when you equate those together, it is it is amazing what Cleveland is doing. They are having, when you take into account the volume of the three-point shooting and the accuracy, they are having the best uh, postseason ever in terms of three-point shooting. Like I mean, it's it's incredible. They're shooting the ball well. J.R. Smith, Channing Fry, who I said has been huge, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving's been on another planet. He's been tearing people apart uh, offensively. So I do think I do think it's interesting, and it's going to be a better series because we've seen guys like Kyrie give Curry problems on defense. Um, Curry struggles to defend guys like Irving, John Wall, Westbrook, all the elite point guards. Curry is a good defender, but he's not he's not able to stop guys like Kyrie. So it'll be interesting to see how the matchups go. And actually, let's go to that right now. So the key questions I have, and these are the few questions of the series is on Cleveland's end. Who guards Steph Curry? Because Steph Curry, if you if you look at the matchups, you want E-Man on Clay because E-Man is bigger and stronger than Kyrie and he's going to be able to guard Clay Thompson better. And if you throw Kyrie on Clay Thompson then or even Harrison Barnes slash Iguodala, whoever starts, I'll get to that later. But whoever one of them starts and Clay Thompson Barnes, Iguodala, Clay, those guys are all going to have a huge advantage if you throw Kyrie on them because Kyrie is going to be posted up every play. And you've seen, if you watch Warriors basketball, that Barnes and Clay are actually very good post-up players as well as Iguodala. So there's there's a huge problem there. So I actually think you do throw Kyrie, despite his his defense not being as great as everyone thinks or, you know, people are – People are looking and turning a blind eye to his defense, but I do think he is a pretty good defender. I think he's okay, and I think that Curry is Curry, so I don't think you're going to stop him no matter who you throw on him. I don't want to hear this Del Vadova crap that Del Vadova's going to guard him, and that that was just ridiculous last year. Anyways, um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because Kyrie, like I said, has to guard Curry, in, in my opinion, in the series. There's no there's no other matchup for him. Uh, the question that I kind of alluded to was, does Iguodala start for the Warriors? Because the Warriors did this last year in the finals, and it worked out very well. And they also did it against the Thunder in Game 7, and it worked out very well, obviously, because they won. So Iguodala, the team seems to, it's weird, because the team seems to play better when Iguodala starts in the playoffs. Uh, Barnes has kind of struggled in the postseason. hasn't really had a good postseason. He's had he's had his moments, but um, they've come in small spurts. So it's I think I think you have to start Iguodala right away because I'll get to this later. But I do think it's going to be an incredibly competitive series. So I don't think you can waste time, but you can waste a game or two by starting Barnes and seeing how that goes. Start Iguodala from the jump. Let everybody get in rhythm. That way, by game six or seven, which is what it, what this series should go, barring any injuries or anything, um, then then everyone will be in a rhythm. Everyone will be in a groove, and they'll know what to expect. Uh, and another thing that I really point out, and this is this might be the biggest key question of the entire series, 
is how does Cleveland guard the Curry and Draymond pick and roll? For those of you that don't know, that Curry and Draymond Green statistically are the are the best pick and roll duo in the NBA. And even just off the eye test, even if you're just watching the eye test, they are so efficient together uh, because of Draymond Green's versatility. Not only is it his ability to shoot, but his ability to pass the ball, his ability to uh, drive to the basket, and obviously Curry can do what Curry can do. He's one. Of, he's the best finisher in the rim in the NBA, believe it or not. He actually has the best field goal percentage at the rim um, in the regular season, and he's also, of course, the best three-point shooter in the game, and in not just modern era, but in history. So it's going to be very interesting because Cleveland... Right now, if you're going just straight up five on five, power forward guards, power forward, center guards, center, etc., then you have Draymond Green on Kevin Love. That means that Kevin Love is going to be switched out to Curry at least 20 times a game. And if that happens, Curry is scoring at least 17 times. Because no no disrespect to Kevin Love, he's, he's an okay defender, but I mean, he is not equipped to guard Curry at all. He's not comfortable with it. And he's not good at guarding guards. He, he just can't guard point guards. He's a nightmare in pick and roll. That's one of the things I want to point out is that even though everyone talks about Kevin Love not being in the finals last year, you can argue, and maybe you guys will see my point by the end of the series, that the Cavs might be better off in this, in this playoffs, in this situation, without Kevin Love. Like, in this series, Kevin Love is more of a liability than a perk let's say because he he is so bad when it comes to perimeter defense and switches and pick and roll and just pick and roll defense in general that he is going to get exposed in this series so I don't know what you do the 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 idea that I thought of is switching you put Thompson on on Draymond which is that that's okay because Thompson's a pretty good for his size he's pretty mobile he's a pretty good perimeter defender um, he matches up with Draymond well because they're both uh, on the same frame in terms of height and weight. Uh, Thompson's a little bigger. So I think that that makes the most sense. And then you throw Kevin Love on Bogut. But the problem with that is is this Curry and Draymond pick and roll is so good that it's going to break through. And when it breaks through, that means your last line of defense is Kevin Love at the rim. So then if you have Kevin Love at the rim... Uh, Look, he's not a good perimeter defender, and he's not any better at defending the rim. So, that that's a nightmare. And no matter how you, no matter how you approach this, Kevin Love is going to be attacked almost every play, every minute, uh, every second he is in this game, and that's going to be a huge problem for Cleveland. So, I really, I really think that one of Cleveland's keys is going to have to be limiting. Um, limiting Kevin Love's minutes because he's just a complete liability, like I said, on the perimeter and in the paint. So that that's that's a huge issue. I don't really know what the idea is. The best way to to approach that is you put LeBron and Thompson together, and when Kevin Love isn't playing, maybe bench Kevin Love in the fourth and play LeBron and Thompson. But then you got to think about is Thompson. And LeBron, are they any really better of rim protectors than Kevin Love? Probably, but not by much. Neither of them are really protecting the paint. So it's a real problem. I think rim protection is a huge problem in this series. 
and I think that the only way that Cleveland's going to be able to uh, uh, overcome that is by shooting the ball excessively well, which is something they've done in the playoffs, like I said earlier. It's something that they're shooting at an historic rate, and they're having the best, hands down, the best three-point shooting season in postseason history. So I don't know how Golden State can continue to let it off. I know there's the whole adage that, LeBron and Kyrie are such good defenders, or sorry, drivers when they attack the basket that they open up the lanes and then you have to help and then that kicks out and that either ends up a three or it ends up Kyrie and LeBron at the rim. And look, that should that should be Cleveland's game plan because Kyrie and LeBron are both obviously exceptional and two of the probably top five best in the NBA at getting to the rim and finishing. So that's got to be the game plan. But if you're if you're going to say Warriors, you just solved this math equation already in Game 7. You showed that in Game 7, for those of you that didn't watch, that Game 6 and 7, the Warriors shot the lights out from 3. And 3, as all of you know, it doesn't take a math major to figure out. Although I'm not the smartest guy, but I do believe that 3 is greater than 2. So they've kind of figured out that whole equation. And if Golden State can shoot at what they've normally shot at, they're not shooting at some historic rate or they're not, um, this is no fluke. You have two of the greatest shooters of all time. I don't want to hear Reggie Miller. I don't want to hear any of the nobody is better shooters than Curry and Klay Thompson. So you have those two, and they are going to hit threes. They set a postseason record. They combined for 93s in a seven-game series. That is ridiculous. And Curry wasn't even... 100% he's still not but that's a whole nother issue Um, Curry and Clay like I said Curry struggled in the beginning and Clay kind of caught fire uh, and then Curry caught fire in the end and that was that this this is a really good three-point shooting team so I don't think that I think that that's the Cavs trouble is that they're going to run into the fact that how do we outscore them when they're hitting threes and we're hitting twos so that that would be my game plan if I'm going to stay. Is I stay home on the shooters. You got good perimeter defenders. Barnes, Iguodala, Clay, even Curry, and Draymond are all great um, perimeter defenders. Curry not great. Curry's good, and Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, and Barnes are all just amazing at defending the three point line. So I think that I think that you go a lot with that small ball lineup. And to be honest with you. That small ball lineup, I don't know what Cleveland does about that. If you guys have ideas, I know that that is like the number one, easily one of the number one things that is talked about when it comes to this series is what does Cleveland do about that death lineup. For those of you that don't know what the death lineup is, it's a nickname for the lineup that goes Curry, Clay Thompson, Barnes, Iguodala, and Draymond Green, where they have no center. And with this with this lineup, they are just nuking teams. They are unbelievably incredible. Um, Oklahoma was able to th- slow it down a little bit last series. Actually, they slowed it down pretty well in games three and four. But I believe that those were just uh, games where Golden State didn't play well. And also, the Thunder played great defense, too. It was a combination of both. But the Thunder had the length. The Thunder, this is why the Thunder series went seven with the Warriors, because the Thunder can play the small ball, quote-unquote, and they can still have seven-footers. That's the famous Nazi Muhammad quote where he said, the Thunder can play small ball, but they play with seven-footers because Kevin Durant, look, there's a lot of argument about his height, but he is seven-foot. He's 6'11", seven-foot. 
Steven Adams, seven foot. Abaka, six eleven, basically seven foot. Those guys can play quote unquote small ball and they can guard the perimeter well having the size and they're not they're not sacrificing size in order to score or in order to defend and that's that's a huge thing. That's why the lineup struggled. Whereas Cleveland doesn't have that. Tristan Thompson we said is okay, but is he really an elite defender? No, he's not as good as uh, Ibaka or or Adams or Durant was on the perimeter against OKC or against the Warriors. And also, who else do you have? You have Mozgov. No, that's not any better. That's terrible, actually. That's you might as well throw Cantor on on Curry. Uh, and then you got who else do you got? You got LeBron who who can play power forward. Okay, that's one solution. But then you just pick, you just do a pick and roll with the guy who's not who LeBron isn't guarding, and expose that big there. So I think that that is a huge problem again for Cleveland. Um, I don't think they can stop that lineup because you have Draymond or Iguodala, you, and that Draymond and Curry pick and roll. Like I said, they they have no answer for it. You can't play Channing Fry either. Look, I just raved about Channing Fry in the beginning of the podcast, and he has been great. He gives them that stretch five that's super rare, but he can't defend. He can't protect the rim. He can't guard in the perimeter. How much can he really play this series? That's my question. Uh, one more one more question before I move on to my very most important point of this entire series, and then uh, then we'll get into some predictions, and then I'll let you guys go. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was the... Kevin Love lineup where Kevin Love plays the five it's kind of I guess Cleveland's version of small ball with uh, Kyrie LeBron Kevin Love uh, Shumpert and um, and Delvadova uh, it's it's a good lineup and it it destroyed it destroyed Detroit um, and sorry it wasn't Delvadova it was J.R. Smith I apologize um so with that lineup, it's very, it's very, very effective against Detroit and against Atlanta, and it, it was even effective against Toronto when it played. So it's kind of this newfound lineup that they never did before, and it worked. But again, Kevin Love as the anchor of your defense, I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I don't advocate that. That is going to be a picnic for the Golden State Warriors. They are going to be licking their chops when they see Kevin Love at the five, and that's all they have to do is attack the rim. So I think that that is not the counter to small ball, and I don't think that I don't think you can even play that lineup much. I think you can play it in spurts when you just need offense and you, you need to just generate offense and you can sacrifice defense, which is something Cleveland's done all year, uh, especially in the playoffs. They haven't been a great defensive team, but... I do think I will give Cleveland this that their perimeter defense is pretty good. It's it's actually really good. So you have a chance because you know if you can bother Curry and Clay, which look they're still going to get their points, but you know if you can hold them to slightly under their average, then maybe things start to break your way because Draymond hasn't been shooting the ball well. So maybe you could sag off him from the three point line and have a little bit more help, have help out those rotations a little bit. And obviously when Bo gets out there, you don't really have to worry about him except for catching lobs. You just kind of have to stay around him and you'll be fine. So I do think that Cleveland has a chance to play better on defense because let's face it, they they have the talent defensively 
up front with when it comes to the perimeter defense. They have they have LeBron, Kyrie, who's I think is capable. Uh, a lot of people are so so and skeptical on him, right, rightfully so. But I believe that Kyrie is a great, uh, not a great defender, but a good defender when he's locked in, which I think he will be locked in because it is the finals. Uh, and then J.R. Smith is a good defender. He might make some few mistakes. He might gamble. He might do a little bit of Westbrook here and there, his best Westbrook impersonations where he gambles and goes for the ball. But I think he's, I think he's great. He's been very disciplined, and he's, he, he really has surprised me and turned it around defensively. And obviously LeBron. LeBron is still LeBron on defense. He is a dog. He's going to lock down whoever he guards uh, pretty much, unless it's Curry or Clay. I don't think those are guys you can lock down. Again, I think they're guys that you can force out of rhythm, but I don't think, but they're not guys you can lock down. Just like Iguodala, as great of a defender as he is, cannot lock down LeBron and did not lock down LeBron. LeBron almost averaged 40 a game last year, yet Iguodala played probably some of the best defense LeBron's ever faced in his entire career. All right, so my very last point, transition defense. This is the biggest key to me in this entire series. Transition defense is huge because what it does is you, you get the rebound, you push the ball up the court, and immediately everybody's scrambling. And trying. And when you're in transition defense, you're just trying to pick up whoever is there, right? You're just trying to pick up the closest man to you, make sure nobody's, nobody's coming to the basket for an easy layup. You want to stop the ball and, and pick up everybody. And Golden State, obviously, we know is so good at pushing the pace. But the thing is, is that they can create a lot of mismatches where, where they'll, um, they'll end up Curry or Clay gets on Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love or something in transition. And then all of a sudden, your defense has to totally shift and reorganize and communicate. And I don't think that this Cleveland team has been great at doing those things. Whereas Golden State, like I said, when they have that death ball lineup, all five of those guys can guard a point guard. All five of those guys can guard. Um, Draymond, Draymond and Iguodala can guard one through four. Draymond can probably guard one through five in that lineup. So I think that those are some huge advantages for the Warriors. I think that the Warriors are going to be better at transition defense, and that's going to be a huge problem for Cleveland because that's where they get a lot of their threes. A lot of their threes come from either a transition or a LeBron double. So I think that the Warriors' game plan is stay home on the shooters, don't double LeBron. LeBron nearly averaged 40 a game last series, and they didn't win. So we can do that again. We can let him score 40 again. Um, and again, stay home on the shooters. And in transition, you can get maybe when you're doing that death ball lineup, you get Draymond on J.R. Smith. That's not bad at all. I'll take that any day if I'm, if I'm the Warriors. And even when they're not playing it, I mean, you got Bogut, but usually, usually it doesn't get that bad on the crosses. So usually Bogut will be able to stay inside. Festus, very mobile mobile he has the opportunity and he has the the physical traits to be able to uh, play perimeter defense he has quick feet and he's very athletic and like I said he's very mobile so I I think that I think that transition D is huge and it sounds it sounds very uh, basketball nerdy and very basic but it really it really is transition defense is is really tough to guard and you have to have sharp communication and I think that the Warriors are just better defensively and better in transition defense, and that's why they're going to win this series. That's why I pick Golden State in seven. I'm giving Cleveland the benefit of the doubt. 
And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State wins it in six, but I'm going to give it seven because I've been wrong a few times in this postseason. I said Warriors in five against the Thunder because I thought Curry was fully healthy. And look, for the record, he's he's not fully healthy, okay? Um, he is he is hurt. Watch every game. He limps for at least a few minutes every game. Um, but then but then this one I totally messed up. I totally shit the bed on this one. I said I said Spurs in five against the Thunder. So I've been wrong quite a few times, but I really I really do believe Golden State wins this and gets this done in, in seven and finishes off the seventy three and nine season with the championship. And this year I think they'll do it they'll do it right and they'll give Curry the MVP and Curry will have now two MVPs and a Finals MVP and that is your prediction for the playoffs and the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors will repeat. You heard it here. Maybe not first, but you definitely heard it here. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to Crispy Sports Corner. As always, I am your host, Chris Platty, and uh, I hope to have some friends on to talk talk basketball and talk more about the series. And for those of you that have been waiting on a music podcast that is coming, I have some very um, confidential, we'll say, things in the works a lot of collaborations a lot of ideas just kind of brainstorming and figuring out but i promise to get you one soon i know after giving you four last week that not giving you any this week might be might be tough but they're coming all right so stay tuned for those and in the meantime you can find me on twitter at crispy 1132 i will answer any and all questions regarding uh, either of the podcast series whether you want your question to be aired on my podcast you can you could tell me on Twitter and I will I will definitely put put on Twitter and give you your credit. Uh, the Twitter handle is at crispy eleven thirty two. That's C H R I S P Y eleven thirty two. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. It was very fun and enjoy this incredible NBA Finals.